Welcome back to Following Know It On, episode 133. Now, our uh, don't we're try actually it. talking about sorry, yeah, I was about <laughs> to, I was about to try the 13th, third episode, 33rd episode. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, today we're talking about the Stormlight 5 prologue. So, if that's something that you don't want any spoilers on, um, Stormlight 5. Go ahead and click off this video. Go watch our other ones. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today, and I'm really excited. How are you doing, Trevor? I am peachy. I am just peachy. There's, I read this, or I listened to it. Well, I did both. I read this back in on March 31st. This is when Mar- March 31st is when this prologue was posted online as the celebration for the end of the Kickstarter for the Secret Projects, which are coming next year. But so I, I hadn't touched this since March when everybody read it. So I went back and re-listened to it and prepped for this episode. And I have thoughts. I'm very glad. Elliot, do you have any thoughts? How are you how are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. I'm getting this like tingly feeling actually, because like this is this is current with Stormlight. Like yes, this is. is the the tip of the spear. We get to make crazy predictions, thoughts, guesses, analysis for all the stuff that he's published, or, or pretty close to all of it, right? I guess he's posted some preview uh, chapters out there and, and stuff like that. But no, this is this is exciting. Oh, definitely. I'm super excited. Um, before we go in, uh, Elliot, do you have two words to summarize our prologue? I do, uh, as always. My two words for the prologue, they actually don't summarize the whole thing very well. It's about one very specific part of it. But classic temptation is my two words for this one. Classic, classic temptation. Classic. And Trevor, what about you? My two words are reliable narrators. Reliable narrators and classic temptations. All right, well, let's use these words and talk about prologue five. All right, I'm going to come back in, kick us off. I'm actually going to kick us off showing off my mug. Uh, we don't have a, a fun name on it, but I'm going to show this off before I pass the reins over to Trevor to actually get us started on something important. Um, <laughs> a friend of mine gifted me this beautiful mug. I, I know it's Lord of, the, Lord of the Rings, and we're talking about Stormlight, but I have to I have to show everyone. Okay, coolest mug I may have ever had. So it's it's heat-activated, so we will see here... Really quickly, Don't I promise. Spill it on your keyboard. One. Yeah, I'm trying really hard not to. Um, we will see shortly that the ring will start to form. I'll I'll just hold this up while we go, and you'll start to see because it'll it'll come soon. But Trevor, if you'd like to kick us off, I would. My two words are pretty easy to explain here. As we go through as i i remember reading this back in march and it took me pretty it was pretty quick before i realized not all the information we're getting is reliable we have to take the information that we're getting 
which is a lot of different information in this prologue. You have to take it with a grain of salt. Take it, Keep in mind who the point of view character is and the lens that he is seeing all of this information through. And then the people who show up in this prologue, what they're telling us and why they're telling Gavilar what they're telling him. So you got to keep all that in mind as you then start formulating your theories. Go ahead, Elliot. I had the same thought. I had the realization probably like two thirds of the way through where it was like, wait a second. I, I was, I was fully bought in until that point, And I had the whole awakening of, oh, wait, what? And so then I went back and reread it with kind of that questioning lens on. and was like, okay, something fishy is going on here. I think several fishy things are going on here, but we will, we will talk about it. Yes, ooh and ah at your at your mug. Very cool, Paul. The ring. It's on his finger. On I'm jealous. Finger. Very, very crazy. So I'm really excited. The, but now I've poured myself a very hot cup of water. So, um... And I've cruelty and malice and will to dominate all life. Y- yes, exactly. Um, I will now be pouring a lot of ice into it so I can then drink it, hopefully here in a little while. But I'm showing it off right now while it's hot, so... There we go. I am also very excited to stop, top up, talk about Stormlight 5. I'll give my two cents. Um, I did not have words this week, but I'll talk uh, briefly about it because I, I think I would almost summarize this of I don't know exactly who to believe at this point yes. in the story. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that have been said by a lot of different people now, and I feel like we as the reader are left to pick up the pieces. I'll I'll throw in one more thing before we start talking about it. I do regret's not the right word, but I feel a little bit disadvantaged reading through this not having read Mistborn. Okay. I don't know if Paul's made it far enough in Mistborn to matter or not, but there was enough stuff in here that I was like, ooh, that is a direct reference to something yeah. that I'm sure is Mistborn, that I'm sure all the Mistborn people are like, Oh, that's happening, and it just goes. I I can see it going right over my head. I have no clue what it's supposed to mean, but I know it it's means something. It's like you're playing Where's Waldo, except you don't know what Waldo looks like. So everyone else is going, right. ooh, 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 it's the thing, that's the thing, and you're like, there's Waldo. there's probably a thing over here that I should know about, but I don't. So without spoiling anything, Paul, are you getting the Mistborn references, or are you not far enough? I am getting the Mistborn references. Okay. Okay. Um, Trevor had to give me a hint, um, but like I was, I was pretty certain I I wasn't like. I actually thought it was a similarity, not a connection. If that makes sense, um, initially, initially, I if we especially if we started going back through Mistborn, I would have picked it up, um, pretty quick. But yes, I I am far enough. I I get the connection. I don't fully understand the connection. But, well, yeah, and there are things that Paul doesn't it's know nice. as much as he thinks he does. I'll just say that's that. True. <laughs> I know, I know a piece. I know, I know a piece that's in play. I don't know how. Okay, there. Okay, play. Elliot. There's a mechanic in. There's a mechanic in here that we'll, we will talk about that I don't understand what's happening. So if that okay. makes you feel any better, there are certainly things that you should be picking up on that you're not, but there are things that have been dropped here that I don't understand. So that, that is a little bit of what I was fishing for was, was, is all of this well understood by 
Cosmere literate folks who read this or maybe not quite everything. So you, you answered my question. Oh, no. When, when this dropped, I remember the day specifically when this dropped in, I made it, I created a new channel in our discord server, first of all, and then we spent probably four and a half hours, five hours of typing <laughs> back and forth on what the implications could mean back and forth. So we got to summarize all of that in a reasonable podcast episode. Elliot, did you talk about your two words? Oh, I did not, which will actually take us right into the, the chapter because it's right up front. So let me go ahead and do that. My two words were classic temptation, which I'm using as a descriptor for what Gavilar is going after here, which I kind of predicted earlier. We we got a little bit of hint at this. I want to say it was in the Rhythm of War prologue because yeah. there's some dialogue with Gavilar in there. I think Navani and Gavilar. So he he hints at it a little bit here and there, and I kind of locked onto it, and sure enough, it's true. And that fact is that he is after immortality. He wants to never die, and he's willing to sacrifice a lot to get that. He even multiple times throughout this prologue, tell uh, we're in his head, right, so we can see his thoughts. He is thinking to himself, oh yeah, and the lie I tell everyone is that I want immortality so I can protect my people as long as possible. Right. I'm going to make the sacrifices now to be the ultimate benevolent ruler that can do whatever I need to do because I have eternity to do it. But we're in his head, so we see that he's telling himself that's the lie. It's not the truth. The truth, maybe it's implied or maybe he says it somewhere in here, is just that he selfishly wants to never die. And I think, I think that is one of the classic temptations of mankind. If you go back to mythology, you go to any, any number of other fantasy worlds, there's often a character who is seeking immortality. I think it's kind of like the, the one temptation that really takes root in humans because we die, right? And right. everyone pretty much everyone is afraid of that day. And so trying to figure out a way to overcome that is something that a lot of people get sucked into. Mm -hmm. Quick plug. I love the way that Tolkien addresses that, but that's a whole nother discussion for another day. I was excited to see that Gavilar is getting pulled in that direction and that we get to kind of explore that a little bit. I think I also thought about the same thing with Tolkien. Um, but Aside from that, I so first off, this whole thing being from Gavilar's perspective is a really good like start to finish thing. We we know that we keep watching the night of Gavilar's death from different people's point of view, right. and it makes sense to end on what he saw, what he knows, um, and I think that's pretty neat and also just a really cool. Zooming out slightly, how it's like. We kind of just assumed Gavilar died, but, like, that wasn't that big of a deal. Right. I guess we thought it was just because he kind of made the Parshendi mad, which is still pretty true, but but we didn't know how much he knew. And we couldn't even understand it if we knew he knew a lot from the get-go. So it's really cool that this comes now when it does. So uh, that is super neat. That is, if there's, like, three big conversations to come in this episode it's going to be one 
what Gavilar knew and what Gavilar thought he knew. And there's two very different distinctions there. Um, what the heck is happening with the Stormfather would be the third, or would be the second one. And then um, Thydekar will be, will be the third one. So let us, let's start with what Gavilar knows versus what he thinks he knows. Because let's start with Rastaris and Nail. Rastaris and Nail walk into the door and he's expecting them. This is after Thydekar has shown up and left. We'll come back to him. Rastaris and Nail come into the room and Gavilar does not think that they are heralds. He has been told by the Stormfather that all nine heralds except for Taln planted their swords here to return to Braze to, to fight the Voidbringers. And they're looking for a tenth herald. So, and that could be you. That is the lie that he's told. So when Nail and Rastaris are right in front of him, 20 minutes later after the vision, he is has no inkling. Well, he does have an inkling that they are heralds, but he just doesn't believe them. So Gavilar has access to a lot. He just makes a couple key missteps, key arrogant conclusions, and it it winds up it winds him up in a very interesting interesting spot. What did you guys think of uh, Nail and Rastaris right in front of him there? So I have a couple thoughts. First of all, him meeting with Rastaris and Nail are the first like thing that I can really point to or remember where we know well okay there's the dark sphere which is like that's weird why did, where does he have this what is this why does Gavilar have this him meeting with Nail and Rastaris is I feel like the first puzzle piece we have to add to that of he knows something he's meeting with a really crazy caliber of character right um it is up to something really really crazy that we don't understand or know um so that like totally sent my red flag suspicion up not for anything bad necessarily but for there's way more going on here than i know about i'm mildly confused by why gavilar knew so much but also was so led astray really confuses me and i want to come back to that i have um if if elliot has anything to add there um, I want to hear it, but if not, I have another point about that specifically. Yeah, you, you can definitely go ahead. My only thought I'll throw in there is once I got to the end of this, I think Kalak is probably the only one in this whole prologue I trust at this point. Yes. Because a few things that he says, I think I believe him more than I believe the Stormfather and Gavilar and Thydekar and all these other people. But go on with your thought, Paul. Um, I'm going to take one step back to take two steps forward. Okay. Um, I'm going to briefly talk about Navani here. So okay. we saw Stormlight 4 prologue. We see from Navani's perspective where she gets really, really mistreated by Gavilar. And everyone gets a really sour taste in their mouth, which I agree. Like, I agree. And, and here it seemed like that was attempted to be justified somewhat. Like, like, But I think it was done... 
really wrongly. It's like Gavilar has an idea in his, in his head that's like, this is what I need to do. But it's just kind of all wrong. And I right. feel like that goes into what we're talking about here. Um, because I, I could be wrong. Actually, correct me on this. Isn't Gavilar trying to like kind of distance himself from his like familial relations, like relationships, because he's about to go be an eternal herald and can't have attachment or whatever? Yeah. So Navani, when Navani walks through the door, he has an internal dialogue of should I trust Navani? Navani knows a decent amount about Fabrials and part of he he mentions a one-liner of the ardent Rushur Rushur Chris or whoever that is helped me get the void light from Braze to um to Roshar that and then it just moves on right past that um but he thinks to himself should I should I confide in Navani she she may be able to help me and then backs out and says well if I do that, then she might take the herald ship from me. Like she might steal my immortality. Like there's only room for one, one herald. Said the Stormfather. So I'm not going to trust anyone with this knowledge. This is only only me. Okay, I appreciate that info. So whenever I, the first time I listened to this, my thought I don't actually remember all the. I didn't remember the details super well but my initial thought was like okay it's providing some reasoning for why Gavilar treated Navani so poorly but then I started to actually think about it and I was like no that's just probably almost worse because right. it's like even if you were going to do this like why why do you need to like distance yourself or protect that so bad I guess like yeah, it, it kind of made it worse, and I couldn't actually tell what the intentions were. I guess the, the, I'm probably reading into that part a little too much, but that I feel like is kind of kind of parallels the rest of our prologue that we're looking at with Gavilar of like he gets an idea, he knows what he wants to do, and then it kind of leads himself astray out of like either fear or just like misguidance. I think we're back to another Teravangian type situation and the whole journey before destination argument. Mm-hmm. Gavilar is is willing to sacrifice the now for the future that he can think of. It's a, it's a whole end justify the means argument back to the whole is that the right way to do things or not. I think this book series tells us no. I think a... a... Before we move on from Navani, a quick quote that he tells Navani, which perfectly encapsulates where Gavilar is. He says, he tells her, or is this, I think this is spoken dialogue. He tells her, the sun could love the stars, but never as equals. And he's telling that to her, saying, I am, I am so beyond your capacity at the moment. You are so beneath me that, um, the sun could love the stars, but not as equals. But that is a perfect picture of how arrogant, or sorry, how um, misguided Gavilar is because he doesn't know that stars are, like the sun is a star. Like that is 
two of the same things on the same level. So if he had just a little bit more perspective, he would realize how foolish he's being with saying that and everything he's doing in this prologue. I didn't think about that. That's a clever way to, to think about that little quote there. Okay. We can, we can come back to some more. What is happening with the Stormfather? But before I give my my thoughts on this, what did you guys pick up on this? And what are you, what are your thoughts on the Stormfather giving Gavilar visions, telling him he can be a herald, lying to him, just straight up lying to him, and saying there's nine heralds on Braze, and Talon is the one who is not there, and you can you can take his place. There there are so many little things in here that have me very confused because it starts out I, I bought the story to start because gavilar is in visions supposedly being given by the Stormfather. right well we've seen that before with dalinar so i wasn't surprised by that it was like oh okay gavilar's getting these visions now okay but i think my first suspicion started to pop up when it started to describe him as like this visible haze yes it would show up this like shimmer I think is what it, how it described it multiple times. And as soon as that showed up, I was like, eh, I have never in four massive books heard the Stormfather described like this. And we've seen him in, in multiple sort of different forms or encounters. So I was, um, I was a little suspicious there. And then later on, some of the dialogue just seems off. The Stormfather's just kind of saying some weird stuff. I'm not all that thrown by the lying, if I'm honest. Okay. I think we've seen that there's there's a lot of ways that Spren either can just straight up lie, see pattern, or there's ways that even someone like an honor Spren can justify a lie by, you know, looking at the situation like, oh, I the most honorable thing to do here is to lie to this, you know, enemy or this person or something like that. So Spren lying, sure. I have no no problems there. And then there's the whole, we'll probably get to this later, the whole, a herald has just died. Yes. Like, what the heck is that about? And why does this being, the Stormfather, immediately know this or feel this or something? I, that's the biggest question I have. But anyway, that, that was my general take on it. So the first time I read this, I just was questioning myself, not the Stormfather. I was like, Okay, is my timeline messed up? Were there nine her like where were our heralds at this time? Like I, I was I was really questioning internally, not not the Stormfather, because I assumed it was still like the right normal Stormfather we know. Mm -hmm. Um But looking back, I was like, no. So something's up. But I, honestly I didn't think about it too much because I don't know where to go with it right now. Like I I can understand now, especially having read Rhythm of War, that Sprint can lie and and be just as bad as others and things like that. Um, I mean, a random thought that popped into my head is like, okay, is this the actual Stormfather? Is this a different Spren? Is this something by the... whichever unmade makes fake Spren? Is this like a corrupted Spren or something? Um who's acting like the Stormfather? Not quite sure. So, 
that if you were to put your money on it right now, is it the Stormfather or is it not? Allow me to do some point tallies in favor of the Stormfather and uh, away from the Stormfather. Um, he, like we just said, he's lying to Gavilar. Whether you want to put that in favor or not, we'll, we'll hold that one for now. His appearance is not like anything we've seen of the Stormfather before. He, notably, he disappears every time somebody walks in the room. Which, if you compare that to other Spren, other Spren don't do that. Other Spren don't need to do that. They can choose whether to reveal themselves or hide themselves to other people. Yeah, I mean, I, that's not a hard and fast rule because there's pattern, there's ivory, I, I don't know. Um, but Spren can usually hide themselves in the physical realm. Um, the Stormfather notably, like, withdraws or whatever, and then appears to talk to Gavilar every time. And he does not do that with, with Dalinar. Um, he claims to feel a herald die at the end of the, um, at the end of the chapter. Whether that's in favor of the Stormfather or not is up to you guys now too. Would the Stormfather know that? We've, did he know about Yezrian dying? I don't even remember. Um, well, the, it's the rest of that quote too that really gets suspicious. Yeah, actually, I don't know if you want to go into it now, but we we definitely have to talk about it. Uh, I'll I'll get, have you guys commit one way or the other here in a second. Um, and then the whole there's one other big one that I'm missing. But w w which way are you guys leaning? I don't think this is the Stormfather. Okay, I'm. This is not a cop out. I promise. One of two things is happening here. Either this is not the Stormfather, and I think that's true, or what we know as the Stormfather from the other books is not the Stormfather. Is also not the Stormfather. That is an option. Which I, I don't think that's true. I'm I'm not putting my chips on that one just yeah. because we have so much of that Stormfather. Yeah. This one feels different. Yeah. The only scenario I can come up with is whoever this is that they're, they've created this persona of the Stormfather. Maybe they learned from this interaction with Gavilar, like, Oh, I can fake it better. And then round two is down our Kaladin, all of that. And they've gotten a better story by then. But I, eh, I don't know if I believe that. Okay. Yeah, we do on that. We do know that Dalinar is a bondsmith. Yes, correct. So, That's true. So he but, has bonded a bond spren. Yes, know? but backing up, it Dalinar could have the Unity Father. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I've thought. Is if if this is not the Stormfather, then he has bonded a fourth, right one without knowing it. One. Yeah. Yeah, but in that scenario, then then that Spren is actively lying to him. Correct. And uh -huh. that Spren has... So, tying back to this one, both of them have access to the visions, right? right. That is a big point in this Stormfather's favor is how mm -hmm. how does he have Tanavast's visions? Tanavast has, has left these tapes for... And we're seeing one, 
that Dalinar did see, it's possible that somebody else was there to have to supply this vision. Um, man, there's so many different places you can go with this. Odium has the ability to give visions, right? We've seen it multiple times with Dalinar. We've seen him impersonate uh, the Stormfather's visions because Dalinar was so... Like, there were differences, but Dalinar was so disoriented that he assumed he was in a Stormfather vision at first, but then we find out later he was not. That happened a couple times in Oathbringer. Um, so there are people outside the Stormfather that can supply visions. Yeah. I, I think another possible thing here is that this could just be some sort of very complicated equivalent of light weaving yes that this that the scene we get seems like a i mean this is probably isn't really true but a, a somewhat well-known ish scene mm-hmm. i mean w- w- when i say well-known it's not like oh yeah 90 percent of people know about it not only a small handful of people know about it, but a small handful of people do know about it. it it's not a private conversation with know it on it's the Oh gosh, what's the name? The Harianium, yep. Yeah, which is an event that's known-ish. So to just see that place with the shard blades does not like fully convince me that this is truly honors visions, right? So I am in. There are. I am in the camp of this is not the Stormfather. Um, there are plenty of people namely the 17th shard that talked about this months and months ago, that all of them on that panel in that recording were, were convinced this was the storm father, um, which wow. you can go, you can go listen to that episode if you'd like. Um, it's been a while since I listened to it, but they had plenty of evidence. They went, they go very long and in depth on, is this, is this not that they spent a full two hours deconstructing it, which I'm not, planning on doing tonight um but they are at least at the time they were settled on this was the Stormfather. this was some pre that this was the Stormfather without honors connection uh is the is the conclusion they came to so gavilar has no connection capital c connection to the shard honor and so the Stormfather is going around giving these tape recordings to whoever and it's it's gavilar's turn and he gets them and lot the lying aside this is just a misguided Stormfather, which the Stormfather comes to that conclusion the storm faker whatever we're calling him in this chapter comes to that conclusion at the end of the uh, at the end of the chapter here that gavilar is not the correct person to talk to um but then he goes to Dalinar and Kaladin and, you know, stuff, some early stuff in the way of Kings and words of radiance of they need capital C connection to honor. They need to have honor in order to get that piece of connecting the Stormfather back to honorable ways, if that makes sense. I think, let me, let me read the quote that has me scratching my head so hard on this. 
it's where he says a herald has died. And there, there's a lot of little dot, dot, dot ellipses in the middle of it. So <clears throat> interpret those how you will. But here's what he says. A herald. A herald has died. No, I am not ready. The oath pact. No, they mustn't see. They mustn't know. Like, okay. Regardless of whether the Stormfather could like instantly feel when a herald has died, which, quick little sidebar, I'm assuming that this means not the permanent death that Yezrian suffered. Right. Because we had several mentions or impressions or takes on Yezrian's death that that was the first of its kind. Right. That no herald had ever really died and that, oh my gosh, Yezrian is permanently dead. This is a, a huge problem. All the heralds are freaking out. I, If this is true, that a herald did indeed die right in this moment, which is five years before Yezrian dies. Right. Ish. This has to be a non-permanent death. Correct. Okay. With that assumption, keep, we'll keep going here. I am not ready. The oath pact. No, they mustn't see. They mustn't know. What the heck is that a reference to? Like, I'm, I'm genuinely stumped here. So, can I take the mic for a couple minutes? It's going to take me a couple minutes to explain. Please. Here is the prominent theory on if this is not the Stormfather, who this is, and what is happening. The, the prominent theory is what he's saying is correct. A herald has died and returned to Braze. This is not a permanent death. This is a, I feel one of my, one of the heralds has returned to Braze. Now, um, we've gotten the impression that the other heralds can, can feel that type of thing. That when Shalash feels Yezrian die, she says, they've killed him. This feels different than the other times, which implies that they can feel each other return to Brace. And Dalinar has seen the connections between the Heralds. When Nail fought him on the battlefield, he saw the nine connections going off of him. Right. So the popular theory that is that is what's happening here is that this is Ishar. Ishar is pretending to be for whatever... We'll get into the reasons here in a second. This is Ishar either light weaving with an honor blade or um bondsmith powers whatever you want to whatever you want to talk about here pretending to be the stormfather he could feasibly do that because he's probably had interactions with the stormfather before um he's not getting it quite right because he has never bonded the stormfather before but he's one of those players who's been at this scene can recreate it well enough and can impersonate the Stormfather well enough. He is genuinely feeling a herald die. And this is the exact moment when Shalon kills her mother. Oh, the timeline puts that those two events, Gavilar's death and Shalon's mother dying in the same month. Like, is there, there evidence for that as people like trace that there is. Wow. That is the popular theory, that this is Ishar, which we can get into more of why Ishar would be doing this, and how Ishar would be doing this, and he's feeling Shanarach die. And Shanarach is the one 
then who returns to Braze gives up and the Voidbringers return. Or and Talon returns. Something that could add to this is we haven't actually seen Chanarach yet other than just in mention, right? Correct. So, I mean, it could be a good, like, book five plot or maybe even a back half thing. I don't know where that would go. But if that were the case, which honestly, overall, I don't like that theory that Chanarach is Shalon's mother. Why not? I just don't like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's also, like, I don't know. I feel like it gets more complicated. It would be, I'm guessing, somehow significant for Shalon if her mother is a herald. But I, I don't get why Chanaretch would just be hanging out in Yankaved. You know, I, I, it just doesn't quite make sense to me. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. So I, I generally just don't really like it. But... Um, but if that were the case, that would be pretty neat. Of like, we see her and then we learn this. I would assume that that's something that we would have to learn. Like, it couldn't be a herald that is like Tom. Like, I feel like that's something that we would have to learn. But I've thought that with a lot of the heralds we've met, so I could just be wrong on that. I mean, one one argument, perhaps in favor of the whole Shalon's mother is Shanarach. We've seen a herald go after new radiance to kill them before. Correct. What if, what if her mother had a conversation with Nail at some point and even slightly bought into his whole philosophy of just kill off all the new radiance and that will slow down the next return? And then she sees her daughter start to manifest these abilities. That could explain why she tried to kill her and Shalon had to fight back and kill her mother instead right allow me to read an excerpt from words of radiance for you real quick <clears throat> chapter 10 red carpet once white the world ended and shallan was to blame pretend it never happened her father whispered he wiped something wet from her cheek his thumb came back red i'll protect you was the room shaking no, that was Shalon, trembling. She felt so small. Eleven had seemed old to her once, but she was a child, still a child, so small. She looked up, up at her father with a shudder. She couldn't blink. Her eyes were frozen open. Father started to whisper, blinking tears. The creepy lullaby, which I won't sing the whole thing. Father gathered her up into her arms, and she felt her skin squirming. No. No, this affection wasn't right. A monster should not be held in love. A monster who killed, who murdered. No. Father carried Shalon over the, the body of a woman in white. Little blood there. It was, it was the man who bled. Mother lay face down, so Shalon couldn't see the eyes. The horrible eyes. So sleep, my baby dear. So sleep, my baby dear. <laughs> I guess maybe I missed it. I'm not caught by anything specifically in there that's that's earth shattering new information. The the face down on the carpet, the no blood, 
all of that is consistent with any shard blade death, right? Right. right. I have two things. One, the, the only thing that stuck out to me is it could very much be a Brandon Sanderson hint. The very it was the very first line. The that, very first line. Um, Shall the end of the world started. And Shalon was to blame. Yes. That could be the little nod that her killing her mother, if it's Chainratch, was what set the wheel in motion to start the desolation. Um, my second thing is, Trevor didn't actually read it, but the rest of that, um, about the glowing light. Yes, I, the glowing in the box. That's, that's a rabbit trail about some stuff we really don't know about, but... I caught on to that ever since we first read it, and I think it has to be. I thought it was like a spread initially. I think it's a Dawn Shard now. I don't fully know, but there's probably too much of a rabbit trail. But right after it talks about her seeing a light behind, like a, was it a closet or? Yeah, so it's in the lockbox, her her dad's lockbox, and she sees a glowing light in it. Nobody else does. Which It's just very, very Dawn Shard. Yeah, it is. I, I'm in, under the assumption that it is Testament. Testament has gone to hide in the box because Shalon doesn't want anything to do with her anymore. Okay. But do our, our, our cryptics don't even, like, emit light? I don't, maybe, I, it's a light-weaving spread, so could be the thing, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Again, reliable narrators. This is from the perspective of Shalon at 11 and she's obviously traumatized so i don't uh-huh. i don't know okay so with this information of is this the storm father is this not the storm father let's back up to thydekar okay thydekar shows up and did either of you guys catch the the magic description from Gavilar that's happening here? He's described as like glowing blue, right? It's his, his face is glowing blue. That was what I remembered the most. Okay. He's like hooded, like he's like cloaked and kind of hooded and he's glowing his face is glowing blue. He, th- this is where I feel disadvantaged because these are where some magic stuff starts to happen that I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I understand that. He, there's a description of him glowing blue, right? He's got a spike through his eye and out the back of his head. I think the spike is blue as well. Yep. But then there's the whole like magic transformation bit. He does this bit where his head like morphs into a glowing ball. And then, and then the when ball he leaves out the, the room, door. Yeah, when he leaves the room, he doesn't open the door and go out. He like shrinks down, goes underneath the gap in the door, and then leaves. It's like what aside from light weaving, which can kind of be anything, right? I think Gavilar makes that guess too. He's like, hmm, that seems like light weaving. It doesn't I don't know. If it's light weaving and it's just an image, okay. That's consistent with with what I know before. But if it's not, if he's actually transforming into these different shapes and, and things like that, that that seems different. 
this is an interesting perspective that we get to shift here. So Paul, um, without go through each of those and say, if you understand what's happening and if you don't. Yeah. I, I, uh, whenever it says that, that he has a spike going through his eye and out the back of his head, I understand that, which okay. is crazy for me to like verbally say like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes I sense. I get that. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um, transforming i had no idea what was okay. going on transforming shape like size shifting i'd say i like 50 percent get it. i at least have a what i think it is but i'm might be pretty wrong um what about glowing blue glowing blue i really so on, on that one i mean we've seen kaladin glow blue or white sure. or something my first guess was just oh he's invested Mm -hmm. that was my understanding too um i have a mild guess as to what that may mean that's that's different but but overall i didn't think i knew that like i could guess at that but i don't think i know it okay so I think it's safe to tell you guys that Thydekar is not actually here. This is a projection of Thydekar. Thydekar is not actually in the room. Okay? Um, Thydekar is communicating to Gavilar, but he is not actually in the room. The mechanics of that, some of that I have genuine questions on, some of that I understand more than you do. Um, but we, w- by the time Stormlight 5 comes around we will all be on the same page and can conjecture about that. Um, but Idakar is not on Roshar, as Marais um, has told us at the end of Rhythm of War, his avatar is here. The word, the phrase avatar. Now, keep that, keep the phrase avatar in mind because it will come back up before we read Stormlight 5. It will come back up in other you will learn more about the term avatar. Hearing that makes me think I do know the glowing blue. Um, I have to ask before, before we keep talking about Thydekar, we, we knew about that name before. Yes. Right? It's like we, we knew about that. What did we actually know about Thydekar before this prologue? Cause in my head, it was just a name that I kind of just brushed to the side and didn't worry about too much. Right. We know that we heard that it was the mention of like with the ghost bloods, basically Mraze's boss's boss or something like that. But I don't know what else. So the first mention you get of Thydekar is in the Way of Kings prologue. Zeth stabs him. Zeth stabs Gavilar and Gavilar says, who sent you? Was it Thydekar? Was it Sadius? I don't remember. There's another word. There's another name he drops. But, um, he assumes it's Thydekar. That's the first mention you get. Don't get another mention at all until Words of Radiance when Shallan is hiding behind a wagon and Marais, and she's getting hunted by the Ghostbloods and Marais is saying, um, report to Thydekar, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then at the end of Rhythm of War, you get Thydekar. His, his title is known as the Lord of Scars. And that doesn't phase Shallan because that doesn't mean anything to her. And Hoyd 
told Shalon to say, don't make me come back over there and slap you around. Stay on your own planet. That's as much as you know about Thydekar. Nice. That That's actually really helpful. But it's basically all pointing to he's the leader of the Ghostbloods. Correct. Effectively. I I think I think Thydekar might actually be my number one candidate for the, the Storm Faker. Okay. And in my evidence for that, I guess one is, well, we see Thydekar doing some sort of illusion-type magic here. Seems to fit within whatever illusion-type magic he might be doing with Gavilar. But then all the way at the end, I want to jump there real quick, and then we can back up. After Zeth kills Gavilar. Gavilar is dying. He's lying on the ground. He's dying. Gotta get to the right right spot on the nose. There it is. So this is the part you referenced, Trevor, just a second ago. He says, Gavilar says, you can tell Thydekar that he's too late. And then the narrator kind of says a few things, just kind of describes the scene a little further. But the very next dialogue that we get is from the Stormfather in quotes, and it says, It was not me. And it goes on and says some other things. But the way I read it was that was a direct response to what Gavilar had just said. You can tell Thydekar that he's too late. It was not me. I I think maybe this is Thydekar trying to manipulate and control Gavilar from far away. That's my theory. I like it. I don't. As far as the like scope of our Stormlight story, I feel like it would make way more. There'd be way more motive for our other suspects to be responsible here. But I don't know everything about Thydekar at all, so I don't really know what his motives are. Let, other let's than talk... I know Marais's motives. What is Marais's motives? <laughs> they get investiture. Off of Roshar. And what's Gavilar doing? In this in one of these scenes with the void light spheres. He he has managed to to get void light, although it's actually anti void light, right? It is anti void light, yes. Nobody nobody uses that term, but it is anti void light, yes. Yes, so Gavilar is successfully moving anti-void light and void light, I think. I think they're both there on the table from Braze to uh, to Roshar. And when Nail and Kalak walk in, Nail is like, Nail and Kalak are asking him a bunch of questions on how he did that. That seems to genuinely surprise them is that he has void light. And Nail is stuck on the whole notion of you have no idea what you're doing please stop everything that you're going to cause a huge catastrophe you need to you need to stop this Rastaris or Kalak is sees that and says that's our way out if we can successfully replicate this that's how that's how I get out so there there's some motives for you and then we we've also had the drop that Thydekar is after Kalak. 
for or thought cards after Astaris Kalak. Um so yeah. What else? Talk a little bit about Ristaris actually. Cause he he talks about he drops a quote about Ba Edo Mishram that caught my eye. He does. And I mentioned earlier that I think Kalak is the person I trust the most in here, I think. He he says this. I know where she is hidden, where her soul is. Ba Edo Mishram, grantor of forms, their other god, the one who could rival him, the one we betrayed. And the first half of that seems fairly simple. Yep. I know where Ba Edo Mishram is, grantor of forms. We know somewhat about what Ba Edo Mishram is, that she was the one who gave the singers their forms of power, and that when she was captured, that mentally handicapped all of them when they kind of lost their souls or their minds when she got trapped due to the recreants. The second half of that, though, is a little odd. Their other god, the one who could rival him, in capital letter, capital letter him, the one we betrayed. I'm, the, I'm stuck. I'm stuck on that. The one, like, the one we betrayed. Is that talking about Ba Edo Mishram, or is that talking about their god? Are they betraying Odium, or are they betraying Ba Edo Mishram, or? I'm actually I'm actually going a different direction. The the one we betrayed is what he says. Yeah. Well, he's supposed to be a herald, so he has betrayed Tom. Tom. Yeah. Maybe arguably like honor. Honor somehow. Yep. Uh huh. Their other god, the one who could rival him, the one we betrayed. What? I think like, I think he's talking about Ba Edo Mishram. I think somehow. The heralds betrayed Ba Edo Mishram during the recreants after Ahariatio. Maybe. But the. Maybe. Okay, okay. What was. Y'all repeated it several times. I want to make sure I understand the wording right. Yeah. It says. We betrayed him, the one who. It be, we betrayed it, the one who could rival him. Or what was it? It, it says, Ba Edo Mishram, grantor of forms, their other god, the one who could rival him, the one we betrayed. Okay. Thank you. Um,. Whenever I just heard the the one who could rival him, the one we betrayed, I started to think of honor because I think maybe that, you know, honor is dead. That it would make sense if he was betrayed in some way. Um, so it could be like description of Ba'ido Mishram and then part about honor, but that doesn't seem as likely hearing it all together, that that's probably just a description of Ba Edo Mishram. 
I guess after staring at it, I might I might follow Trevor's line of logic there that the one we betrayed is referring to Ba'edo Mishram. It is still a description is, of the rest of, like, with the rest of them. Right, right, right. I think right. that is the logical co- conclusion. Like, that's what makes sense on the page. But then, but it, then, really, but then it begs really... the question, what is that talking about? Like, that doesn't really solve anything. <laughs> right. And and we're still left with who is who is him? Who is this being that Ba'edo Mishram is getting compared to? Yeah. Is it honor is it, or is it odium? Yeah. And I I almost wonder if it's almost wonder if it's odium. It's almost like you know, trying to piece together a scenario that might fit with it's, it's like we're playing Jeopardy. It's like here's the answer and we're trying to figure out what in the world what the, question the question is. Was. Yes. yes. Yeah. So I maybe the question is, or the initial scenario that this is a description of, is Ba'edo Mishram tried to rival odium? And that maybe sought the heralds for help, and the heralds somehow betrayed Ba'edo Mishram, perhaps through the recreants, or, or the recreants played a, a part in all of that. Maybe that's what happened. I so quick head cannon. I wonder if Ba'edo Mishram comes to the heralds and says, "Is there a way we can restore the forms of the singers without bringing Odium back?" Because that would solve our problems, right? If we if we restore the if we store the the forms of power to the singers without bringing the fused back, we could live in harmony, right? And then the heralds are like, "Uh, yeah, you you do this," and it's just a trap, and they trap Ba'edo Mishram, causing the loss of even more forms all the way down to dull form only. Hypothetical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking a very similar thing, Trevor. I hadn't thought about what exactly Ba'edo Mishram would have done, but understanding that the we there is probably the heralds, um, it, it would make sense that maybe Ba'edo Mishram came to them, or maybe they had an agreement, and that agreement was broken with the Oath Pact, or something like that, but yeah, yeah, I, I was kind of on a similar thing that maybe they got on the same page, maybe they had made an agreement or talked about something, and they betrayed. Bam. Yeah, and that would also feed into the recreants because then the Spren and the humans could potentially see the danger of only having the Knights Radiant on Roshar without the Singers, like. There's the the Spren. I'm I don't know. I'm trying to piece together how the Spren voluntarily give up their bonds. It has to have something to do with Ba'edo Mishram being imprisoned in my in my head, and so the heralds backstab Ba'edo Mishram somehow, and then the Knights Radiant decide, yeah, we're we're dissolving. This is no longer the side we thought we were on. We're 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 leaving. Yeah, seems very plausible to me. If Kalak knows where Ba'edo Mishram is at the time of the feast, in Rhythm of War, when he talks to Adolin saying, you need to restore Ba'edo Mishram, she's the key to all this, I think we hurt Roshar more than we ever thought we did. Why does he not tell him 
go to here, that's where Ba'edo Mishram is. Or does he? And we just didn't see it, see the conversation. Because we do get, at the end of the very last Shalon point of view in Rhythm of War, we get her conversation with Marais. I am declaring war on the Ghostbloods as Shalon. And the like the very last sentence is she goes over to a book that Kalak gave her to start reading about the Cosmere. So I wonder if the info in there includes where to find Ba Eno Mishram, and that's how we find her so fast, so quickly in Stormlight 5. Or or it may I I think the explanation could be even simpler. Perhaps I mean Kalak is a fairly nervous chap. Right. I wonder if he just isn't playing all his cards. Yeah. He's kind of keeping some info withheld for now, but that early in Stormlight 5, we can just have a conversation. Shalon and Adolin or whoever can go visit, go back and visit him real quick and say, hey, yo, you knew a lot of information. We're looking for Baido Mishram. And he can say, yeah, I didn't really want to tell you this, but here's the story. And then boom, then now we're on, on the quest sort of thing. Right. Anything else? Um, I have something that really just popped into my head. This 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 is mildly rabbit trail, but I'll I'll go through it quickly and we can move forward. Um thinking about this whole Shalon waging war on the Ghostbloods. Yeah. Now that we have more info from Stormlight Prologue five, this this makes me way more one, way more interested in that storyline than I was before. Before I was like, okay, we're still kinda of talking about the Ghostbloods. I still don't care that much. I guess. But now we've seen this Thydekar, and we know Thydekar is basically the leader of the Ghostbloods. I'm more intrigued. And it makes me think, I've made predictions previously about maybe going to a more Cosmere scale in Book 5. Um, I had mentioned that briefly with, like, if Dalinar loses the Contest of Champions, maybe we will actually see him having an impact on a Cosmere-like scale. And Knowing that Shalon has made, quote, waged war against the Ghostbloods makes me think that she may become more of a Cosmere-level character. That things will happen. If I would love to see dialogue between Thydekar and Shalon. And Shalon. Yeah, down the line. That would be really crazy. I think we and, might get it. Yeah, I, I, that, that's actually really crazy, and that's why I'm more excited about that whole thing now. Uh, because I think... I don't know what you would do with that. I really don't know what you would do with that. Those characters mashing up. But I'm that would be crazy. I know there'd be something crazy. I know that much. So I'd like to see it. And I think that's possible. Alright. One last do you guys have anything else before I throw a real real curveball at you? Go for it. Okay. So back when this came out in back in March of this year, if you this is how meta, if you will, our theories were getting in in the, the Discord channel. If you go and you look at the the web release of the prologue, if you look at the font and the uh 
the dialogue of the Stormfather. This is going back to the identity of the Stormfather. The Stormfather... Well, I'll just read it to you real quick. Here's an excerpt from, from the chapter. What are you? Gavilar whispered hoarse. This is after he's been, he's been stabbed. He's about to die. In italics, the biggest fool of them all, the Stormfather said. And the thing it and the thing that has miscalculated. Switching to all caps, goodbye, Gavilar. I have seen a glimpse of what is coming, and I will not prevent it. What? What is coming? Gavilar demanded. All caps again, your legacy. Now, one of our big conversation pieces back back and forth in in the Discord back then was when you get dialogue in all caps and when you get dialogue in italics and when you get it in quotes. And what we, the essentially what we concluded was if you are hearing it in the physical realm, it is in quotes. If you're hearing normal dialogue from a person to a person, if you can audibly hear it, it is in quotes. Okay. Secondly, if it's in italics, you are hearing it as an impression on your mind in your own voice, okay? More specifically, you are getting a spiritual realm communication either from your soul or from someone else's soul impression on you. All caps is a cognitive realm communication, and there's, there's plenty of different scenarios to back this up. Um, I'll go through a couple right here. The Night Watcher speaks to Dalinar in italics, okay? But cultivation speaks to Dalinar in small in all caps. Okay? The Stormfather before or the Stormfather speaks to Dalinar after Dalinar's second oath in italics. But he speaks to Dalinar and everybody else before his second ideal in all caps. Okay? There's several other ones, but the fact that, and this is, and we acknowledge this as we were going, but this is an unpublished, like, rough draft that we have of Stormlight 5. But if you if you want to go reread it and look at what is in caps, what is in quotes, what is in italics, it's pretty fascinating. And it's it's it almost appears that there are two different people talking to Gavilar. Or, alternatively... This, if it really is the Stormfather, it could be the Stormfather who has bonded Gavilar and is in the process of debonding Gavilar, and that is why it switches, which is an interesting concept to to consider. But we, I just wanted to bring that up because we spent a long time talking about it, a very long time talking about it, and um, you can you can theorize it if if you'd like. It's quite the rabbit trail. I love those theories and I love that deep level of analysis. That is, that is fantastic. I, I do kind of wonder, you know, how much editing this prologue pre-release thing has been through. I'm sure it's been through a couple of layers of right. editing, but that's like the kind of thing that I would assume kind of gets fine tuned right. in the editing process. Right. But if, but if it is something that he's intentionally trying to convey something 
maybe he was very intentional about the formatting of how this was written in the very first draft that he wrote. I'm on board with all of those thoughts. And the fascinating part for this, for me too, is the like mid dialogue switch. Yes. That's the weird part is uh, I follow everything that you were saying, the whole hear it in your mind versus hear it, you know, in the big world, all caps. I usually just think of as like the booming voice of the storm father or cultivation or somebody, but the switch like almost mid sentence is, is odd. Yep. It's really odd. If yeah, there's, you, dear listener, if you'd like to come theorize with us and you'd not considered that before, please come join our Discord. There is an entire thread that you can go discuss that. It is not quite worth discussing more here, but there there are several levels of theorizing that you can get to, that one being quite, quite deep. So, anything else, I gentlemen? I, I'm kind of all on board with this this whole formatting thing because the way it's structured like Gavler says what are you you know I'm literally reading it again but this is the biggest fool of them all the Stormfather said the thing that has miscalculated period then the next word it starts the all caps totally different and it just says goodbye Gavilar you know like I think it is this like debonding or like separation there but then further down it goes back to italics if that throws a wrench in. So yes, uh, not, not in that preview that I gave you, but if you go back to the webpage, oh. there is further italics. Anyway, it, anyway, it's, I see, I see. Okay. It's not quite That's that simple, but yes, that, that is. Yes. Well, I mean, my joke also is that it says it right there that he's the biggest fool of them all so we finally met one of the ten fools. ten fools yes that is another yeah. theory that uh, we have met a ten uh, one of the ten uh, fools we have met one of the ten fools maybe our ten fools are ones who you know pursuit of whatever immortality wealth power whatever you want to call it and the spread know that this guy's kind of not all right you know not good for it so they lead him astray and they're one of the ten fools is gavilar one of the ten fools um, the biggest fool of them all. He's like their Yezrian. <laughs> so. All right. Um, thank you for joining me, guys, on this Stormlight 5 preview. Anything else before we close up shop and talk about the entirety of the Stormlight Archive from a relaxed armchair discussion tomorrow? It'll be nice to take to not a tomorrow, load off. Next week. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah, I- I'm excited. Uh it's been one heck of a journey. What uh what you know, I've made it this far. What ideal am I? Am I like a third ideal night radiant at this point or four books, four ideals? Yeah, exactly. That's what Kaladin ends up on, although he skips a book and he he ends up at four and four, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we're fourth ideal readers. We're pretty nice. far in. Nice. That's pretty dope. All right. I'll just say real quick. I am super excited for Stormlight 5. Like, more excited for any book release possibly ever. Yeah. Like, I've, I've, I've never been this involved 
in a book series that was waiting on release of books. It's always been books that were long published a long time ago. Yeah. So I'm super excited with, for that. I'm having a ton of fun. I'm not super excited that I have to wait two years for this. Yeah. Hopefully they go quickly. Stormlight 5, come soon. I... I'm hoping that it'll come quicker than, than I expect. But yeah, I'm not thrilled about that. But I, this is the first time I've really been sitting here ready for for a book to release i've done that with a lot of movies shows games whatever but uh first time with a book i'll be transparent it is not my first time with a book because i was there for rhythm of war i started uh-huh. the stormlight archive right when oathbringer hit so i had my fair share of waiting for rhythm of war but this one this gap is going to be uh longer um than the rhythm of war one was so thanks for joining me Paul and Elliot, we will reconvene next week. Fairly well. Bye-bye. <laughs>